Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by Babs Keen of Fleo, building the foundation of fitness and confidence for women who are looking for the perfect pair of workout apparel. Fleo ultimately strives to inspire women to become confident and free in their fitness journey. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by Babs Keen of Fleo. Babs, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, of course. So uh, I'd like to start out with your upbringing. Where did you grow up and what would you say your childhood was like? So I grew up in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Um, It's a city with about 130,000 people, so not too big and not too small. Um, Mm -hmm. I thought childhood was awesome and amazing. My mom was a stay-at-home mom and also a really skilled artist. So we kind of had the best of um, two worlds in terms of always home-cooked meals and then also being immersed in art and design and creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, we would take trips to local artist studios and explore their pottery or just get into painting at home. And I thought that learning about art and design and creativity at a very young age was very magical. Mm. Um, and my dad was in the insurance business uh, and also an avid Iowa Hawkeye sports fan. So mm. we spent a lot of time at games. Um, for football and basketball. And then aside from school, I was very, um, I was always in a swimming pool. So I was a competitive swimmer and um, like chlorine is still a very core childhood memory of mine. (laughs) And I think that um, being so involved in swimming at an early age really helped to um, develop discipline and also tap into competitiveness as well as uh, create some unbreakable friendships. Amazing. I'm curious, what got you into uh, swimming? Did your parents have an influence on that? Did you have a pool or what kind of sparked that? Yeah, so I was very, very cold. Um, not a lot of pools there because the winter seems to last for like six months out of the year sometime, um, mm-hmm. mostly indoor. But it was really just a way that my mom and my sister and I could go to the YMCA and we learned to swim at a very young age and it really kind of kept us busy during the cold long winter months Um, and then later on my first job ever was teaching swim lessons at the YMCA. Incredible. So I I saw you then went on to University of Iowa so kind of following your father's footsteps. Uh, What led you to going on to Mm -hmm. there and then what did you study? Yeah, so I went to the University of Iowa and I really just wanted to stay close to home. Mm -hmm. Um, I was not like particularly adventurous and kind of liked the security of being close to home. Uh, Iowa City, where the University of Iowa is, is just 30 minutes from my hometown of Cedar Rapids. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just wanted that security of being close to home. Yeah. Uh, What was your experience like overall there? And then uh, academic wise, what, what did you get into? Yeah, at Iowa, I um, in the beginning, I tried a little bit of everything, and I did Spanish classes, um, writing classes. They have a wonderful writer's um, workshop there, and uh, religion. I, I tried all of the things, and mm-hmm. I think along the path of discovery found that there was a major um, called health and sports studies, and I kind of had taken one of the early entry classes um, and 
discovered you could get a degree in that. So mm. I took um, just basic classes in um, exercise, performance, nutrition, and um, really just found a home in that program. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious, what were some of your aspirations uh, when you were in school? And then I, I saw some of your background, your resume. You kind of were an entrepreneur, like pretty much your full career. What what was that time like in school and where did, what did you aspire to do? When I was at Iowa, um, I was pretty much involved. I kind of think of those as like my yoga, yoga, yoga years. Um, mm -hmm. I was very uh, involved in yoga from taking classes all the time to also learning how to teach. Mm. And I wanted to eventually just, just be teaching yoga all the time. So my first business was a studio in England called uh, Juice Pilates and Yoga. Mm. Um, and I had really not exactly, I had moved over there with my husband and my certifications didn't translate. So I had um, aspired to teach over there um, but they weren't matching the UK system. So, mm. um, kind of just bypassed what that roadblock was and opened my own studio. Um, that was kind of the first, um, experience I had with being an entrepreneur. Wow. So yeah, you relocated to England, you launched your own studio. How did you have, first of all, the capital to launch that you were right out of school as well. So what did that look like? Yeah. In that time? Yeah. Well, everything that I've ever done, and my husband is my business partner as well, everything we've ever done, we've bootstrapped. So wow. I worked like a maniac in high school. Mm -hmm. um, I always had a job. I, I mean, as soon as I could get a job at, I think it was 14, I had a job. I've done taught swim lessons, tennis lessons. I've worked in a snow cone shack. I've done endless amounts of babysitting. And I saved, saved, saved like a maniac. Yeah. So you know, we were kind of able when the time came to take some risks and um, just went all in on it. Yeah, incredible. Take us back to kind of that launch of Juice. What were those initial initial offerings? Was it just you offering the classes at the time as like a private instructor? What did that kind of format look like at launch? Yeah, so I had um, six reformer machines. So it was Pilates on the machine mm -hmm. and quickly learned that you know, it's different doing a service than a product and the scalability of only having six machines. Yeah. Um, so in the beginning, it was just me and it, it was just me for a really long time, um, which is what inevitably led to kind of my burnout there because I was teaching like minimum eight classes a day from group classes to wow. private classes. And we were really immersed in the um, University of Cambridge, um, like student and faculty um, group there and like their their boat clubs are very popular mm -hmm. um so we were really kind of involved mostly in the in the university community yeah incredible as, as far as uh like marketing like a, a service like that especially in a new area how did you pull in those clients did you have existing relationships or what was that yeah so i <laughs> this is kind of funny so we yeah. um i didn't know how to do any of this right so like you just kind of do things and figure it out as you go. But um, we had printed like half sheet flyers and we just went and put them under everyone's windshield wiper, like in all of the car parks and along the street. And it was, I think it was try your first class for a pound and mm. bring a friend. And that was just sort of the promotion that we ran. And 
it was just, it was a really like, honestly, like a very simple and um, fun and exciting and easy time in my life um, because there really wasn't any, there was no pressure. um, It just didn't seem like there was a lot of pressure. It was just fun, you know? Incredible. So th- this time span, this is uh, around 2010, and I know Fleo does come in 2012. So this is just like a two-year time span yeah. until you launch a product. What What is yeah. that period like? What What is what introduces Fleo and the inspiration behind that? So, yeah, it was probably about we officially found founded Fleo in 2013, but um. Mm-hmm. We had left England. My husband was in the Air Force, which is why we were in England. Got it. So we left. England came back to the states. We lived in Florida. We're stationed in Florida. And before we left England, I sold juice, mm. and I really just wanted to. I wanted to stay in fitness, but I didn't want to keep doing the exercise part of it. Yeah. Um, I also was very eager to learn just a new skill because um, I had been doing the same thing for a while, and I was just itching to do something else. Um, so I got. Rosetta Stone in French and two sewing machines. And I kind of just spent some time in between the two things and was like, okay, which one do I want to kind of put more time into? And I think I just had a sense that the sewing machine was going to take me a little bit further than maybe learning how to speak French was. Mm. Um, so I spent a lot of time learning how to sew and kind of how to make a product. And I would sit and I would take apart garments from start to finish and see how they were made. Um, Any question I didn't know the answer to, I would ask Google or YouTube and just self-taught how to sew mostly anything, um, but focused on shorts for fitness. Yeah. Um, So at this time, yeah, when you were sewing, was it really like personal use? Was it for friends? Did you know you wanted to launch a business at this point? What, What was that? Yeah, I think at this time I had, I started with a pair of loose fitting running shorts Mm -hmm. um, and I, it was, it was the thing I sewed probably over and over and over again the most. Um, I'd probably made 30 to 40 pairs and I ended up sending them out to friends and family. And I thought I was really differentiating here because I put like a slit closer to the front of the thigh, not totally on the front of the thigh, but like front side of thigh. And I was like, okay, these are going to be the freedom shorts. These are like so cool and different. Like this is it. And then sent them out to friends and family just for some feedback. And while people liked them, it wasn't it. Mm. Um, You know, come to find out like if you lift your leg, yes, you don't, you, you have that freedom, but like all that extra fabric was flowing behind people, which was not like a favorite thing. Um, so I just knew that that wasn't it, but I, so I, I just, I had to pivot and do something else. Um, and I feel like at this time I really kind of had all the time in the world to figure out what I wanted that to be. There was no, there was no real pressure there. Mm. Um, and so I wanted to, you know, the running short wasn't it. So I was like, we need to come out and make a statement with something like what's a statement product that people are going to remember and no one's going to forget. And it was the itty bitty tiniest little booty short ever in like the loudest, brightest, most fun, crazy prints. And it just stuck. Yeah. So yeah, I'm curious on this iteration, this pivot, how did then you, how did you get that feedback from that? Did you ship that to the family and friends again? Or what, what was that no. that you, that you knew yeah, that so clicked? That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good question. I, 
at this point, I did, I actually, I didn't, well, no, I really didn't. I, I yeah. had spent so much time at, at this point we're in, um, Evanston cause my husband's at Kellogg getting his MBA mm-hmm. and I had spent so much time in Florida, like leading up to this, learning how to sew and, and everything. I felt really prepared to go to a manufacturer. So yeah. at this time I was like, okay, the running shorts, not it. I think I've got like a good idea here with just being loud and crazy and fun and, you know, putting, just putting some fun into fitness. And, um, so I was ready to go. I was ready to go and find a manufacturer and had spent a decent amount of time looking in the Chicago area. Mm-hmm. And we're, we've always been made in the U S we're still made in the U S okay. and, um, I found our first manufacturer in the Chicago area. He was perfect for what we needed at the time. And he did the first run of, um, first run of our production and it was it was it was awesome we did three colors uh, a black and a blue and uh like neon pink neon orange leopard mm. and i just you know there is this app called instagram and so yeah. i put it on instagram and it was like we found a product market fit almost instantly with the crossfit market mm. incredible so yeah so the manufacturer makes this run for you guys to take us through the kind of that inventory and the logistics from that first launch. Did you guys hold inventory in house and ship yourself? What did that look like? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like mm-hmm. we had everything. We didn't, you know, first runs were pretty small. Um, yeah. we had to meet the, the minimums, but mm-hmm. we met the minimums and, uh, we did everything in house for, for quite some time, um, shipping out of our apartment at the time. And then later from our house. Um, and then I, think we moved to um, to a shipping partner in 20, right after Hurricane Harvey, whatever year that was. Okay. Got it. So, and then so, you mentioned, or go ahead. Oh. Oh, sorry. You mentioned uh, Instagram. So Instagram, you guys rolled out on Instagram. So I know you're heavily into kind of digital influencer marketing. What did that launch look like for you guys marketing wise to then get this product out? Well, I had no idea what I was doing. So I, at that time, I think I had, like, I had two kids at that time, two little bitties, and I had been off of, like, social media for a really long time. It's never really been, like, a personal, um, like, objective of mine to to build a personal audience or to to engage. I love doing it from the brand side, um, which has been always always been my passion. Um, So I really didn't know how it worked that well. So I literally just put the shorts down on the ground and took a picture from my kitchen and put it up on Instagram. And that was kind of the start of things. Um, I was fortunate at the time for a couple uh, bigger uh, influencers and people within the fitness space to see that initial picture and then contact us um, and say like, these are awesome, would love to try a pair and Um, so we would send out to, to those initial people and then, and kind of just kept that rolling. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So once you guys built this momentum with this first SKU, what, what then led you to launch and kind of diversify with some other products and what, what, what were those next products then? Yeah. So the next product was, I believe it was a Capri pant Mm -hmm. 
And that was not it either. So we had, we had a hit with the original short, which was like the tiniest little booty short. <laughs> and then we did a capri pant. It just had, it wasn't it. It had contrast coloring on it. It was too color blocked for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so then we were like, okay, we are shorts. We are shorts people. Um, let's just offer some more short styles. So one of the things about Fleo in the beginning was it was a really intimidating product, mm. but it was that like really, um, I guess sort of intimidating factor that also made it super edgy and super interesting. Mm -hmm. So we took the original skew and, and style product and did a little play on that and made like a longer inseam and a higher rise just for more coverage. So then the next probably four to five products at least after that were um, uh, just different coverages for for the shorts. Mm -hmm. Getting to the point of scaling, you mentioned you guys were shipping for a long time yourself. And are, are, you, are you with a distributor now um, or a mm -hmm. 3PL? Okay. At what point did you guys realize you had to shift to that 3PL to then ship products that you, you got to that size? Yeah, I think it was at least for us. So um, we're in Houston okay. and um, Dallas is really a central location for a lot of um, transportation. Mm. And what we had experienced during um, Hurricane Harvey was that our, our we were we did have a 3PL here. And um, even despite a hurricane and, um, you know, a really a really big tragedy like in our community, people were still wanting their packages very quickly yeah. and it was we were having a really hard time getting stuff out of here um so we just that was kind of it was really that that prompted it that was our shift of being mm -hmm. like we just need to be somewhere closer to um just quicker transportation yeah on on side of uh like product development and you you mentioned the uh, getting into kind of the capris the other options that you offered initially how do you take consumer feedback or how do you guys then evolve to new products? What does that look like in the R&D process? Yeah. I love, we love consumer feedback. So yeah. like the Fleo community is very passionate and very um, vocal and very involved and like community for us is everything. Like yeah. product and community, number one, we are product people and we are community people. And we have, we've used um, different platforms to communicate with um our like our top customers um of course we do customer customer reviews on the website mm -hmm. um that we always listen to and take to heart but we also talk directly to our customers um through all different types of you know mediums and um um we really just listen to them so you know yeah. if there's something that we're lacking you know we we turn it around and can give them what they want if they are interested in something new and different and we really just vibe off of each other because like at the end of the day like everyone here in our office is also like a consumer of fleo like we're the customer too we love fleo we wear fleo yeah. every day through and through from head to toe and so it's it's just a really natural process for us to to talk to our customers and we we love them mm. Talking on that community, what does that look like? Kind of that demographic. I know it's, you mentioned CrossFit at the beginning, but what does that look like today if you can depict that? Yeah, so we've 
we've grown quite a bit since the beginning and mm -hmm. definitely Crossford is our core market. Yeah. Um, we also are very much, I just say women's strength sports. Um, yeah. So powerlifting, weightlifting, um, some general gym goers, um, anyone that's competing in some of the um, various races, mm -hmm. uh, we're also pretty prominent there. Um, and I think at the end of the day, the growth has really come from um, mostly like women who are still competing. Like a lot of a lot of our customers compete. Uh, they're doing competitions. Mm. They are. I mean, we well now. I mean, there's several that do Peloton as well. I think there's like a measurable aspect of in competition that's always been very core to Fleo. Yeah. What, on, in regard to like Peloton and those other events and competitions, do, are you guys like active into like athlete endorsements, sponsorships? What does that community look like of like professional athletes? Yeah, that's um, we we are. Yeah, um, we we currently we are. Um, we have done a, a couple of different things with sponsors sponsorships throughout the years. Um, but I mean, not not too much. Yeah, no, totally. Getting into you mentioned the the team internally. You guys all wear Fleo. I love that. First of all, um, what does the team look like? I'm curious. From beginning to today, what what does that growth look like? Does it skew? You guys have a lot of ladies in there. It sounds like. What is that like? Yeah, it's all ladies. Yeah. And Carl. <laughs> so Carl's <laughs> love it. And. Um, yeah, he, he, he holds his own. He does a good job. Um, yeah. It's all women. And um, not to say that men couldn't work here, too. Um, <laughs> but we, you know, I think one of the things that is like we're very passionate about is you have to, I mean, you have to know the product through and through. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's always been one of our competitive advantages is because we make everything um, and we design everything and we, I mean, we truly are making something different than what's currently on the market yeah um you know we use each other within the office as um feedback as well when we're creating a new product we really put it to the test mm. so if we're creating a new tank top or a new bra you know i know to give that to whoever in the office is going to be doing burpees tonight if we have <laughs> um you know, a new pair of leggings or a new fabric, you know, rope climbs for sure. Like, and the, the instruction is go destroy it, like go beat it up. Cause we know yeah. our customer is going to go do that. For sure. Talking on like retail, are you guys in any retail or, or have you had that opportunity or foreseeable in the future? What is that like? Yeah, we're not currently, we're still D to C. Um, yeah. we, the like pop-up or like, um, storefront opportunities that we've had are mostly within um, CrossFit games and CrossFit competitions. Mm -hmm. um, it's definitely not ruled out for us in the future. Yeah. It's just something that we haven't focused on right now. Yeah, definitely. For the uh, for the listeners out there, kind of give us uh, like a picture of uh, what is Fleo kind of, what would you say in comparison to competitors? Like what, what, are, what benefits? Um, could you explain? Yeah, I think at least right now, like I like to say, Fleo's always been about fun. So like we started with bright colors. We will always have bright colors. There's a lot of neutral toned brands out there, but like in terms of um, color palette, we're doing mm. 
We've done every color under the sun like five times in all different shades. Um, in terms of competitors uh, within our space, you want me to like name some names? If you want, I mean, just what what uh, differentiates you guys? Would you say product wise? I mean, you can call out just product like wise? yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Um, I I would say like quite honestly like our like insane working knowledge and variety and styles in spandex like spandex and all of the colors so i mean spandex spandex is really like a it's a core fabric for us Mm -hmm. um we don't dabble too much in like fleeces and cottons and canvases or anything else we are all in on all the colors and prints for spandex and i think that um you know it's just it's a different it's a different fabric to sew. Yeah. Um, so have a lot of like just a ton of experience with with all of all of the spandex. Yeah, for sure. Well, I like to conclude uh, each episode with this. If you can share one piece of advice with an aspiring entrepreneur, maybe something you learned or regret along the way, what would you say that would be? Yeah, um, I would say for me personally, and it kind of like is very um, just true to my experience right now is mm-hmm. that you have to be a hundred percent cheerleader and a hundred percent fighter. And I think this path is while a very like rewarding and amazing path and journey. And the only one I've ever wanted to do, it is also like the most challenging. You're going to have the most challenging days and it's a roller coaster of emotions sometimes. Mm -hmm. And you have to be the cheerleader and the fighter for the days that you need. Some days you need both. Some days you need one or the other. Um, but to really go all in on supporting yourself through mm. being a cheerleader or a fighter. Incredible. Well, Babs, thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, to the listeners out there, make sure to check out Fleo at Fleo.com. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Starting Small. If you would, leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, follow Starting Small on social platforms and make sure to subscribe to our email so you don't miss anything on Starting Small Summit, more podcast episodes, or our online blog. You can find that link in this description.